You are about to listen to the S. Anthony Says Podcast, starring S. Anthony Thomas. <laughs> you lucky bastards. All right, this is S. Anthony. Glad you came back. Ready for the next one? All right, here we go. Go! Okay, you bastards. How's it going, everybody? This is the S Machine. Before I get started, I want to give a shout out to some new podcast homies and homets. Wonderful people, the uh, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks podcast. You'll you'll dig it. I dug it. And you're going to go listen to it. Why? Because I said so, damn it. And don't forget my pod homies, Dead as Hell Horror podcast. Good stuff. Both of them. Get over there and listen, damn it. And if you're listening to me for the first time and you're going... Why would I listen to your recommendations? First of all, listen to my podcast right now. Realize how incredible I am. Then go back to the beginning. Listen to this part again and realize that if I'm this incredible, then people I suggest are incredible. Okay? So these are the two people. Dead as Hell Horror Podcast, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks Podcast. Get your asses over there because I said so. That's right. And now let's do mine. <laughs> Uh, I got to tell you about this. This is this is uh, pretty interesting. It was it was a friend of mine, and if you if you listen to my earlier podcast, you realize that I'm the Alex Rieger of my friends. Now, Alex Rieger is a character on the television show Taxi, and all of the people around him had these weird quirks, and he was as weird in his own way. But he was the least weird of the weird ass people that were around him. So they would always come to him to be the peacemaker. They would always come to him to be the person that finds the information. He was always the one that everybody came to. Um, when they had a problem, they would, you know, so that's me. And, and, and so, so for my cast of nutcases, I mean, my, I mean, friends, not nutcases, friends. <laughs> okay. They're nutcases. I'm that guy. So I'm hanging out with, with a friend of mine yesterday and he goes, uh, yo ass man, um, my girl, man. I mean, we, we, you know, we had great time, great sex. Keep in mind, he, this is how the conversation started. There was no, hey, ass, how's it going? Hey, let's hang out, let's talk. Let's and then in the middle of the conversation or or a few minutes, 15 minutes into the conversation, we, he brings this up. He literally walks into my house, sits down. Yes, man, my girl's not having orgasms. I'm like, what? Yeah, and hello to you too. Can we say hi? Did we, did we forget? I mean, I know we, we've known each other for a long time, but did we just skip Hello? And so he, he asked me about that. And I said, uh, I said, oh, I said, is she having some kind of health? Oh, no, we went to the doctor and uh, there's no health problems or anything like that. I said, well, you got to realize that sex is, is not just physical. I mean, the parts all go together. You know, if it's not physical, it's, it's psychological, mental or something like that. If she's having a bad day, if she doesn't feel connected to you, if she's angry at you, if she just doesn't, if she wants to get it on and she just feels, she just doesn't really feel it at that moment, she's still going to enjoy it. It's still going to feel good to her, but she might not have that big <laughs> at the end of it, you know? Yeah, but she's faking. I said, yeah, because she's faking it. She maybe she's, she's like, she's tired and she wants you to get off of her or from under her or whatever you're doing. And she just doesn't feel like having a conversation about it because maybe she, she doesn't want to talk about it. Or maybe she doesn't think you can handle it. Has it ever happened to you? Hell yeah, it's happened to me. But I usually have such an open conversation with whatever woman I'm getting it on with that if she, like, like women, women will be think you're the hottest thing in the world, think you're attractive, think you're awesome. But she may have had a long day at work. She basically just wants to feel you in her. And she just wants that, that good feeling for 20, 30 minutes or whatever it is. And then she's like, okay, that's enough. Get off me. That's enough. Because women, it's like, you know, women, 
if you're close enough to your woman, she'll go, man, that felt great, but I'm tired now. You, you, you know, and then you, you, then you go, bleh, 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 and then you climb off of her, and she goes, that was great, and then she climbs up in your arms and goes to sleep. She may, she, she, they can be happy without the orgasm occasionally. They, because it, it still feels great to them. But I've never had women go, oh, wee, that was great. I'm going, yeah, I know what an orgasm feels like. I know about the, the booty hole clapping, and I know about the flushing of the skin, the raised nipples, the raised heart rate. I know that the, 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 the genital openings, you know, they, you know, they vibrated. I know what it feels like when you're having an orgasm, honey. You didn't have one. What's wrong? Well, at a hard day at work, and... And I just didn't feel, you know, I really wanted to, you know, I just really needed to, I really needed to get it on with you. But, you know, I just, you know, I'm tired now and I just wanted to feel you in me. And and then she, and because of that mental block, she couldn't have the big O, but she enjoyed the process. Maybe that's the same uh, case with you. Maybe that's what the problem is. Go home and talk to her. You know, if she's faking it, she doesn't want to have the conversation. Maybe there's something wrong. You need to talk about it, you know. Now, for the record, I just told him that, uh, <clears throat> That I had a girlfriend that didn't have an orgasm. That, of course, has never happened to me. <laughs> you know, I mean, every woman I've gotten it on with has had several of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I usually walk up to the house and they go, hold on, before I let you in. I, I, I. I said, what happened? Your your presence on the doorstep just gave me one. And I'm going, man, girl, I ain't even got coming to the building. I mean, I must be awesome to make you have one of them when I'm on the top step and you haven't opened the door yet. <laughs> <laughs> that is so the truth. Shut up. <laughs> but that's the truth, man. I mean, because the thing is, it's so mental. Orgasms are so mental. Yes, there's a physical aspect of it. But did you realize that you can actually have an orgasm without actually physically touching someone? Yeah, it happens to teenage boys all the time. Now, I'm not making fun of teenage boys. Okay, I'm making fun of teenage boys a little bit. <laughs> you busted before you got in her. Okay, enough of teasing the teenage boys. But the thing is, you, it's so mental that you can actually have the organ. That's what happens. Literally, that's what happens to teenage boys. He's anticipating. He wants this so much. Oh, my God, I can't wait to get it. Oh, she's naked. Oh, my God. I see her panties coming off. And he's done. It's the anticipation, the thought of what the, how good this is going to feel and how great this is that blows this kid open. But the thing is, as, an, as, a, as, a, as a grown woman, as a man, if you can have that much control over your brain, that much control over your mind, you can have the orgasm. I mean, the full thing, like the same one you would have is, is about... 80% of what you would have if the person was actually there putting some work in on you. I mean, not me, because mine, what I give the women is so incredible, it would only be, you know, one one hundredth of a percent of what I give them. <laughs> no one's buying this. Back to the story. You know, because I thought that was bull crap. You know, and I, I read about that when I was like, like 17, 18, 19 years old. I'm going, let me get out of here. I, I had had sex at that point. I was like, man, please, I've been up inside and a woman's good stuff. There's no way in the world that be just thinking something. I'm not going to think about some. Mm, and it's going to be like, because I know what it's like to have them warm legs around me and them booby on my chest and hear that girl gr screaming in my ear and squeezing the butt. And, you know, you're the king, you're the best. That's so good. I, I know what that's like and the smell of her neck and all. I know what that's like. There ain't no way in the world I'm going to think that. But when you realize, if you think about it from a logical standpoint, everything that goes into your brain is nothing but electrical impulses, just impulses in the brain, and the brain takes in stimuli and causes a reaction. That's why when you see, like you see, if you, if you live in some place and you know there's lots of snakes there, and you see a piece of rope on the ground, your body reacts as if there's a snake there. And then you realize, oh, that's a piece of rope. But your body reacted exactly the same way as if it was a snake, you know? 
So if that's the case, that means if you can control that response, you can get the reactions that are not for things that aren't actually happening. So I kept trying it. I was like, all right, I'm going to try this. I'm going to read it. And I tried it. And the first time I tried it, I was like, this is dumb. But after trying it a few times, it actually happened. And it stunned me. I'm going, are you kidding? How the hell did that happen? And I explained it to a girlfriend. She didn't believe me. The girl I was dating at the time. And at the time, I was like 18 or 19 years old. Yeah, 18 or 19. And the girl I was getting it on was like 27. And she's like, oh, that's, that's bull. I said, I said, all right, sit in that chair and you watch. And it happened. She goes, how the hell did you do that? I'm like, practice. She goes, I don't know. That's a lot of work to put in. I said, really? The simple fact that I can control the response at that level is the reason why you, a 28-year-old, is still getting it on with me, an 18-year-old, <laughs> because of that ability. And then I showed her what the deal was. It was, it was this, I think I forgot what the technique it was it's called. But basically, it's just like you have to make your imagination so vivid that it actually tricks your brain into thinking that the person's actually there. And then you boom, 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 boom. And I haven't done that in a long time because, you know, I have access to, you know, actual genitals. And even at that point, I had access to genitals, but I didn't know when the access to her delicious genitals was going to stop because she was 28 and I was 18. And she's going to be like, what the hell am I doing banging an 18 year old? I'm out of here, which is exactly what happened. But who cares? I had sex with her 214 times and I'm happy about that. But that's just the thing. It's all mental. And that's what I was trying to explain to them. It's all in your mind, dude, which means it may all be in her mind if there's no physical thing. You know, you know, so I, I so we had this conversation. He goes home and, you know, and he, he does what he, he needs to do. And then everything worked out fine. Worked out better for him because he actually has a girlfriend right now and I don't. But if I go, I'm, I'm going to start going back to use that technique because maybe I don't need a girlfriend. <laughs> maybe I'll go back to doing that special technique and taking care of myself. No, nah, I'm not going to do that. I, I need to get me. A good, I need to get another girlfriend. You know, you know, but for the record, now that I've told that story, for the record, you know, I, I actually, you know, women have never faked nothing with me. You know what I'm saying? I mean, <laughs> you know, when I pull the truck up to the garage and I put the truck in the garage, my truck goes up in the garage. Ah, <laughs> woo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when my truck pulls up in the garage and I, by the time I deliver the payload from the flatbed, <laughs> I put that big giant, the, the big load from the flatbed into her garage. <laughs> Woo, she hits that button, the bell rings. You know what I mean? Well, I actually, technically, I'm the one that hits the button, the bell rings. <laughs> You know, my truck goes up in there ha, and I took the, put the big thing, the big load from the back of the truck and I put it in the garage. <laughs> OK, OK, OK. A couple of times I put the, 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 the pot, put the truck in the garage. And even though the truck was in the garage for a long period of time, uh, she said, you know, I'm glad that you delivered the load. And I enjoyed, you know, having your truck up in my garage. And I really enjoyed it. I really, really did. And uh, but but uh, but but the bell's not not working right now. So maybe you should take the truck back out of the garage and go have a sandwich. Uh, and we'll try. You can drive the truck back up into the garage in a couple of hours and we'll see if we can <clears throat> ring the bell in. Mm. Uh, yeah, that that's happened on, on occasion to. Well, actually it didn't happen to me. It happened to a friend of mine um, whose name is a uh, meth, Anthony Jamis. Uh, yeah, that's definitely not me. It was another person. <clears throat> yeah, whose name was a meth, Anthony Jamis. But me personally, every time I take my truck and put it up in, in the garage, the bell rings immediately because, <clears throat> because, uh, yeah, because I'm, 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 I'm an incredible driver and, and my truck's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's got GPS and everything, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, those, uh, uh, that's my story. And, uh, yeah, because, uh, every time I, um, drive up in the garage, uh, Okay, this segment's over. Okay, cats and kitties, dudes and dudettes. I want to tell you, I want to tell you a little story about something that I saw, and then it'll tie into something else that happened. I was in a 
in a in a mall and I was walking by a toy store and I saw a parent with a kid that was kind of being a little bit of a pain in the neck, but all kids are pains in the neck in some way or another. And this kid was trying to figure out how to get this toy, how to get this toy. And what happened was the parent had to discipline the child. They had to give him a little bit of a spanky. And sometimes when you see a parent discipline a child, maybe they spank him or they yell at him or something. They do it a little more aggressively than you would. Not to the point where you you feel like you need to call child services or anything like that, but definitely more than you think that than you're comfortable in seeing. So I see this, and I, it reminded me of a kid that I grew up with. Well, we didn't actually grow up together. We grew up in the same neighborhood, and um, and his parents would always be the ones that would come to the football field where we were playing, and they were always a lot, a lot more, you know, a lot more aggressive vocally than was necessary. They were a little more mean than necessary, a little more derogatory, more derogatory statements than every anyone would really deem necessary. And I knew they were spankers because they had spanked him before when he was younger. And then the same thing, not with anything where you'd call child services, but just more than you would do, somewhere in that line there. And I often wondered about that. And I, when we got a little older and I felt more comfortable asking him about that because I, I remember seeing him one time, and this, we, were, we were younger at the time. I remember he was walking in the house and his mom was yelling at him and she smacked him on the bottom and he started crying. And I had tackled him myself in football. We used to play football on the street, <laughs> not in grass, sometimes on the street, on asphalt. And I had personally tackled his ass and hit him pretty hard. And he'd done the same to me. And when we, and, and when I tackled him and he, I, I hit him so hard by, by accident one time that I felt bad. I'm like, you okay, man? He goes, come on, man. Get out of here. We, we do this all the time. So I know that smack on the butt that his mother gave him was bullshit. Right. And I knew this was a tough kid. And I'm going, I saw your mom hit you on the ass. Dude, I hit you harder than that yesterday. Who are you crying? And he goes, dude, that wasn't shit. He said, they don't, they, they spanked me, but it's not that big of a deal. You know what I'm saying? That shit doesn't hurt. He says, you know what? I, I give them the cry. Because if I give them the cry, they leave me alone. You know, I, I learn how to cry. Not because they, they hurt me or anything like that. I don't care about the couple of smacks on the bottom or, or maybe a smack on the arm or whatever. I don't care about that. That ain't shit. They, 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 ain't, they ain't hurting me. What I don't want to hear is their mouth, man. They curse too much. They, t they call me names. They're they're mean to me. I just don't like them as people. I, I wish they weren't my parents. I don't like them. Uh, he says, as soon as I turn 18, I'm leaving. And I said, oh, that's too bad. He goes, yeah, all I got to do is give them the tears, and they just go away thinking they did something. I can cry on cue, man. I'm like, get out of here. He goes, I can do it right now. I'm like, yeah, sure. He goes, watch this. He takes a couple of deep breaths, closes his eyes, and he looks back at me because he had turned around. And he had tears running down his face. I'm like, what the hell? He says, see what I'm saying? Ain't nothing wrong with me. I just learned how to do this because if I can do this, they shut up. I go up to my room. I turn on my video game and I don't care what they say. I said, but if they say I'm really mad, being mean, thanks to you all the time. What's up? He goes, he says, guy, he says, I got news for you. When they say these mean things, I'm kind of inside my own head watching it like it's on television. In fact, I actually, it's like I turned the channel to another station. I'm watching you know, and then he mentioned the name of a TV program of that time period. I, I, I you know, I watch it. I can't remember what show he, he made, but let's, let's just say, let's just use a show from this time period to make the point. And I turned to the Big Bang Theory, whatever. Obviously, that show wasn't on back then, but you get the point. I just watched the Big Bang Theory in my head, man. I don't give a shit. You know, it's not, I mean, like I said, they don't hit me or nothing. It's just mean people. And years go by and years go by and I see it and I see it and I see it. And I see him enjoying our company, Friends. 
And then he, and then his parents would show up, and we'd see him go back to his house, and he'd look back at us like, yeah. it almost as the the same look a person gives you if they're as a live performer. When we, when we were a live performer, sometimes you'll play places that you don't like, but you need to fill out your calendar because that's how you make your living. So you play a place that sucks. You know the audience is a bunch of people that don't give a crap about the show, but what the hell? So you kind of look back at the performers that are going to go on after you look at it, look back at them like here we go and then you go out and do your show and then you come off the stage i'm glad that shit's over two more shows to go and then we're out of town well he had that look on the stage like here we go and he walked into the house put on his little show and that went on for years and there was really nothing anybody could do about it because they weren't beating him up you know i mean if you're you can't take a kid from 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 parents because they're assholes you know because if they you could do that to be a whole lot of kids roaming the streets you know because there's a lot of parents that are assholes so years goes by, and five or six years goes by, and now we're both 18 or 19 years old. And one day, I get a phone call. And he's like, yo, man, I just want to say what's up. Um, I'm say, uh, I'm say goodbye. I'm like, I said, well, what's going on? He goes, I'm leaving. I said, what do you mean? He says, I'm, I'm leaving permanently. I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? He says, I'm out of here, man. He says, I, said, I just want to let you know uh, I'm leaving. I'm out of here permanently. He says, I, I got everything set up. And as it turns out, what he did was over the course of his years, and I didn't know this, I didn't know this, he started selling drugs. But what he did was he was one of those, he, a lot of times when people sell drugs, they think that they're going to make a lot of money, become rich and, and get all the girls. This guy sold drugs on a low, low level. I did not know that. Nobody knew it. And I don't know how we didn't know it. He just did it long enough to get enough money to do what he needed to do, which was he bought himself a car, he got himself an apartment, and he got them both in a different location. Nobody knows where he went. Nobody knows what happened to him, but he just says, listen, he says, we're cool and everything like that, but I'm not telling you where I'm going because I'm never going to see anybody from my old, from y'all again. I'm not going to see any of you guys ever again. I'm not going to do it. He says, it's nothing against you. If I was going to keep in contact with you, with anybody, it would be you. And then he mentions another friend of mine who we, who we liked also. But I need to take that entire section of my life and get rid of it. So I'm not going to have any ties to that life. I'm sorry you're on the boat with those other people. It's not your fault. You had nothing to do with it, but you are still in that universe of people. And I don't want to put you in a position where you have to lie and act like you don't know where I am. Cause I know how, I know you don't lie. Yes. I know you don't lie. I know you're not a liar. And I don't want you to put you in a position where you'd have to. So I just want to say that you were cool. I dug you. You were a good friend. Thanks for listening to me. Thanks for your advice and all of that kind of stuff. But you'll never hear from me again. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really long, long away from where, from where we are, where you are. So when I say, take care, brother. And I said, all right, man, take care. Do what you got to do. He says, you know what my name is. So if you ever want to, you never, you never need to contact me. You know, you don't want to do it. He said, don't worry about it, brother. He says, I'm not going to call. I'm not going to contact you. And if I do, it'll be so, it'll be so far in the, in the future that, you know, you know what it is. I said, I'll say, all right, I'll never hear from you again, but that's cool. He says, all right, you, you, you get it. I said, don't worry about it. Take care of what you got to do. And he hangs up the phone and I never heard from him again, but I heard about him. What he had done during the course of his time uh, doing these drug sales and all those kind of things he had done and some certain other things like that, he had stockpiled enough money to buy a car, get an apartment, and do all that kind of stuff. And he moved away, as I just said. And nobody knew about it. It just goes to show you that sometimes you can look at somebody and think you know what's going on and have no idea what the hell's going on below the surface. You know, sometimes you see a person, you go, that guy's a loser. And what that person is doing is he's keeping to himself because he's working on something. And then when he emerges, it's like somebody, it's like being in a, in a cocoon. You know, you just see the little slimy thing there and then all of a sudden, bang, a butterfly busts out. You have no idea that it was there. 
That's what happened to this cat. He did some things he didn't he didn't want to done. He didn't want to do. He sold this and did that. And I don't agree with that. And if he had told me about it, which is probably why he didn't tell me about it, I'm like, dude, you got to find a better way to do it than that. But he did what he needed to do to get to his situation, to get to where he needs to to be. And I admired him on some level. I admired the fact that he got what he needed to do accomplished. Not how he did it, but that he did it. Because he stopped selling drugs and went off, from what I understand, to just do have a regular guy life. He just needed to get away from the people that were around him. I didn't realize how emotionally damaging being around his parents was at the time. Because I met them as adults. As an adult, I met them again. And they were really huge pieces of shit. And uh, they still don't know where he is. And he's, he's, a grown, he's old. He's a grown-ass man now. So what difference does it make? But it was weird. I was thinking back at that kid and I was wondering, I wonder if that kid's kind of like that. It's going to be like that at some point. Because these parents are, you know, a little more verbally abusive than is necessary. And sometimes when you verbally abuse somebody or treat somebody bad, you don't realize that, once again, just like him, they're watching what you're doing on a television screen in their fucking head. And you're saying all that, you'll never be anything, you suck, you horrible, you're this, you're that. And they're giving you that front, like you're crushed on the outside. But on the inside, they're thinking... I'm just punching the clock right now. I'm punching the clock, click, and bide my time. And eventually, you're going to turn around and my ass is not going to be here. Just not going to be here. And that's just the way it's going to be. It was amazing how that little kid at that toy store brought back that memory to me. And a lesson that I got to keep in mind for myself. Because there's a lot of people right now that are... Not the nicest people in the world to yours, truly. Not that it matters to me anymore, because I don't give a fuck. But I still, the people that I run into there like that, I watch them from a television screen inside my head. I'm watching them like, I don't give a fuck what you think. And sometimes if you're being mean to people, and I don't, I'm not mean to people, you'll, they'll be watching you from a television set inside their head. You don't even realize you've pushed, you're pushing them away, or have pushed them away. And you got to be careful that you don't do that. Because at some point, they're going to turn the television off, and they're going to be gone and you're going to have nobody to blame for about for it but your fucking self because you were a dickhead. Now, obviously, that doesn't apply to anybody that listens to me because, obviously, the simple fact that you listen to me means you're all obviously good-looking good people who are intelligent, who have good taste. <laughs> but just think about that. Think about how you treat people, you know, and uh, make sure you're not making them watch your ass on a TV screen. You don't want that shit. Unless they're watching porno. Because if they're watching porno, then you could, you know, that, that's a good thing. I like when people watch porno in their heads when I'm talking to them. Yeah, you know, they, if I'm talking to a girl and, you know, and she sees me on the floor in my drawers with them rose petals falling on me like that movie American Beauty. Yeah, girl, look at these rose petals falling on me. Yeah, girl, watch that porno. <laughs> is, 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 in this porno that you're watching with me, and is, is, at any point, is your, is your friend that you keep bringing over with the really huge breasts, is she, is she, in, the, is she in that? Is she in it with us? No, she's not in it with us. No. Could she be in it with us? No, she couldn't. How about you how about your cute Asian friend with the tight butt? She could, not that I've seen her butt, I'm just saying that I'm assuming that she has a tight butt because I've stared at it. Ooh, did I say that out loud? Oh shit. <laughs> I'm getting in more trouble, so we're gonna leave and go on, on to the next segment. <laughs> okay, everybody, let's get serious for a moment. Um first of all. Let's just send out our condolences to uh, Robin Williams' family. Um, everybody knows now that uh, Robin Williams, one of the best comics of all time, has uh, passed away. Unfortunately, uh, it looks like he took his own life. And uh, 
that's a horrible thing. You know, it's, it's from what I understand, he suffered from depression. Everyone knew that he had problems with uh, substance, but also that he suffered from depression. And uh, that's not a good thing. Everybody, you know, there's many people that suffer from mild forms of it, or maybe you feel bummed out. And you know how awful that feeling is, that feeling of complete despair and feeling that if you didn't exist anymore, things would be better, or at the very minimum, uh, you feel so much pain that it's like, I, I don't want to exist anymore. And I feel horrible that he had to go through that. Someone who gave that much happiness and joy and laughter to so many people. Someone with that much talent. And inside of him, he was in such pain that he just couldn't do it anymore. I feel bad for that. Um, so if you know anybody that's suffer, suffering from depression or, or substance or anything along that line, make sure you do whatever you have to do. Uh, whatever's in your power to make sure that you can help them solve that problem get them counseling maybe you just listen to them you need to do that you know everybody needs to feel that they're valuable and that their life means something that's an important thing even someone who's rich and famous if someone who's rich and famous can feel so horrible suffering from depression or substance that they will end their life when they have the kind of life that 99.9 percent .9 of the other people on the planet would love to have it tells you how crushing and how devastating what he must have felt you know, the pain he must have felt or the sorrow that he must have felt. So once again, I want to send out my condolences to the um, to Robin Williams's family and friends. I never had the chance to meet Mr. Williams, but um, a lot of my friends did because some of my friends did com started com comedy a few years before I did. And they actually got a chance to work with him at one of the clubs that I started. And they had nothing but glowing things to say about how the way he treated people. And of course, they were impressed by his stage performance. But more importantly, a human being passed away and he had an effect on a lot of people so we want to once again send our condolences to robin williams's family now the other story that's going on right now of course is the uh the incident in ferguson where the young man was shot several times unfortunately this isn't an aberration now if it happens to one person it's one person too many but it's not an aberration and they have people who look like him, treated the way he's treated, that is also not an aberration. Now, I think he was a big dude, and I'm not a big dude. I'm, on, I'm like 5'8 and change. So I'm, a, I'm right, right around average height. And I'm not a menacing guy at all. <laughs> not even close to it. And um, and every girl I've ever dated referred to me as a little teddy bear, even though, you know, like little, I'm taller than you, but you get the point. But this happened to me too, you know. When I, when I watched the hashtag on Twitter, I was reading all the reports in Ferguson and marveling at the fact that something of this nature, something, a story this big, was not being really covered by the mainstream media. Essentially, what they focused on was the rioting, which, quite frankly, is really a minor part of the story. Because the people that were rioting, those people, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of them didn't necessarily have Mike Brown, the victim of this tragedy, on their mind. They were probably opportunists. Civil disobedience is a thing that has been effective many, many times. And what happens is the people that were effective with civil disobedience were very, very coordinated. They had missions and they had targets to go to. Not targets meaning hurting someone, but we need to p make sure that this political person or this political person or this legislation or this law change or this. We have to focus on that because that will cause an immediate change. I think this is a city in California, if I remember correctly that has police officers that are wearing recorders on their bodies. And the moment they began wearing those recorders, 
a lot of the problems disappeared. A lot of the people being stopped for no reason disappeared. A lot of the people acting like jackasses to police officers stopped because now you're being focused upon. Now there's evidence. If you're an asshole and you're messing with the police officer in a way that you shouldn't and antagonizing him and threatening him, you can't say that if he decides to whoop your ass, you can't say anything because they're filming you punching the police officer when all he said was, how you doing? And on the other hand, if you're minding your own business and you have one of these rogue cops doing something ridiculous and stupid and disgusting to you, you can go, here's film of him acting that way. And I think that would be a good idea to do. Because if you can put cameras on street corners and tell people, well, if you're not doing anything, then you shouldn't worry about it. Well, then the same thing applies to you, officer. If you're not doing anything, you shouldn't have to worry about it. There wouldn't be conflicting reports about what happened to this young man. There wouldn't be conflicting reports about... Because quite frankly, even when they're filmed doing the thing they're not supposed to do, like the like the man that was choked out in, in New York. They had 75 cameras on that. And they saw it from beginning to end. You know? You think, it's, you think it would stop after that? When they have filmed? No. But at least we can go, okay, now you're being really, you're being super duper mega blatant about it. And we have evidence of it. Now, when I watched the hashtags on Twitter, I was reading the people giving reports of what happened and watching the news ignore it. And of course, what you get on Twitter and in any social media is you'll get the trolls and they'll say inflammatory things, trying to be, you know, outrageous, trying to you know, get get uh, people to pay attention to them, get angry people to send tweets their way and get attention and you know, get their little four seconds of fame or whatever. And most of them are trolls and I don't even pay attention to those. But the bad part about it is even though some of them are just trolls trying to get attention, there are many people that actually believe the kind of things that the trolls are actually writing. I'm focusing on, quote, the rioting. They're not focusing on the 99% of the people who are peacefully protesting. Or being shot with rubber bullets and maced. The fact that, that the press is being told to leave. Because if the press leaves, they can do what they want to you. Because if there was no press during the civil rights era, if the American people didn't see people be, being bitten by dogs and shot with hoses, if the American people didn't see that, if they could do that in private, in quiet, without evidence, then the civil rights movement wouldn't have been as effective. And they know that. That's why they don't want the press around when they beat the shit out of you. They don't want cameras around when they take you around the corner and fuck you up. They don't want that. I tweeted last night that it pissed me off because it could have been me dozens of times, which is a fact. Because I've been, it's happened to me dozens of times. I've eaten every time I've been able to leave unscathed, meaning not physically damaged. But I'm tired of playing the tax. When I mean the taxes, I'm tired of people like me getting tickets when they know that you didn't do anything wrong when they pull you over and they know they didn't do anything you didn't do anything wrong you're going to probably get a ticket even if you didn't do anything wrong because they don't want to look like a jackass pulling you over when they find out oh he didn't do anything wrong well uh, illegal lane change or uh, you rolling stop i don't do rolling stops i never do rolling stops you know why i don't want tickets and i don't want to get sideswiped i don't do illegal lane changes why I don't want to get tickets and I don't want to get in any kind of traffic accident. So these reasons are bullshit that I get pulled, that I used to get pulled over. 
People don't understand what it's like to deal with this ridiculousness on a regular basis. If it never happens to you, you're not cognizant of it. You don't know what it's like, to, like I have to. When I used to leave for gigs when I was in my early 20s and my teens, when I would drive the gigs in a different city, I would have to leave really, really early. Why? Because there was probably a 30, 40% chance that I was going to get pulled over. A 30, 40% chance that, you know, that, that I was going to get pulled over and a 90% chance that I was going to wind up sitting on the side of the freeway with all the shit in my car laid out on the street. And then have the person go, okay, all right, you can go. Get your shit out the stuff, get uh, off the street. The shit that they took out of my car and threw out. Do you realize there were times when I would go to certain places where I wouldn't even be able to take my video cameras or my recorders with me because they would be thrown out of my fucking car onto the street while I sat there in my show clothes? I had to factor in harassment time when I was traveling to places. Do the people that have that have the snarky comments on Twitter or Facebook or in the newspaper or on the radio or in the news, do you have to factor in, or did you have to factor in a uh, harassment time when you went to work? I don't think you did. Did you get tickets that, that you didn't earn because the police officer pulled you over and decided, I got to give him something because I did pull him over. I don't want to look like an asshole. Did that ever happen to you? I don't think so. When you see videotapes of some guy that looks like uh, somebody on Fox News that can yell and scream at the police officer, they can yell, damn it, officer. I can't do that shit. I wouldn't want to because I, I, I'm an adult and I have no reason to speak with someone with disrespect. But I can't do that. And my nephews can't do that. Do you have to give your kids a learning annex course and how not to get his head cracked open by the police officers? Do you have to do that? I don't think you do. I've had to sit there and tell my nephew, watch this when I get pulled over and show him exactly how you react when a police officer pulls you over. Even if the guy is intentionally trying to antagonize you, trying to push your emotional buttons to get you to get angry and lash out so he can arrest you or plan something on you or beat your ass. When you have to deal with that when you're going to the fucking supermarket, when you have to deal with that when you walk out of your house and you know the odds are strong enough that you probably, you know during the week it's going to happen and you've never committed a crime, you don't have moving violations, you don't do rolling stops, you've never done anything until that happens to you on a regular basis. Either have compassion, either gather information, or shut the fuck up. I know what it's like to be minding my business, climbing out of the bed with my woman, giving her a kiss on the forehead. Mwah. And I come home, I'm, I'm going to go out to dinner, put on my clothes, put my briefcase in my hand, walk to, I was, well, I left the car with her. So at that time, we only had one car when I was with that girl. And then eventually I had to be at two cars. I'm not with her anymore, by the way. And, uh, I'm, I'm going, I said, you, you keep the car. I'm going to go to, uh, I'll catch, I'll catch the bus. Because you're going to need the car because you're doing traveling sales and all that kind of stuff around the city. And my office is in one place. And I know what it's like to have a police officer pull up, guns in your face, saying that there was a crime committed in the area when you know for a fact that the place that they're saying there were crimes, you know the people there and you know that no crime took place. And once again, you're sitting on the ground with your shit laid all over the place. And all you're trying to do is go to work. Now, that's not most police officers. I know that. But it doesn't take that many police officers being assholes to make it horrible. If every time you, if you, if every, if most of your contacts with police officers are horrible because they treat you like that, you're going to feel bad and you're going to hate 
or at least be angry at all of them because you don't know which ones are going to do that to you. But it's, you know, it's not fair to the good cops. But one thing I will say about the good police officers, I respect you if you're doing your job well. And that's probably most of them. I would guess that's most police officers probably do their job pretty well. You know, the ones that I know personally who are friends of mine and people that I know and that I've run across, most of them do, do a good job. But there's one hole in your game, good police officers. One hole in your game that you need to clean up. It's important that you clean that hole in your game up. You're respectful to people. You don't harass people. You don't take kickbacks. You don't do bad things. You don't give out bullshit tickets. You don't do that. I respect that. I respect what you do, and I know it's a tough job. But you have a hole in your game. As a collective. And what is that hole? If I know, as when I was in my early 20s, if I know who the horrible police officer in, in the area is or police officers in the area, if I know what two squad cars are messing with people on a regular basis just because they can, if I know, then you know also. You see, if you flush all of those guys and gals out that are horrible to people, get them out of that job because they should not be in that position. They should not be in a position where they can harass people. They should not be in a position where they can cost people money because they just feel like it. If they're not in the position where they can end the life of people because they don't like the way they look or they're angry that day or they fucking feel like it. If you flush those people out, get rid of them. And the community goes through a period of time when police are fair with them and they don't have to worry about oh is this the one that's going to fuck with me they don't have to worry about that anymore your job becomes a lot easier because people will go you know what i know a crime happened and i'm going to tell you about it and this is that they'll talk to you but they don't want to walk up to you if they don't know what you're going to do to them yeah it's not fair to the good cops but you know what else what else it's not fair to the community more so because that's a bigger problem because you don't have to get harassed. People, the, the, the people that don't come and harass you, you know, no, 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 no citizens come running out of the house and fuck with you and make you lay on the ground and plant shit on you or treat you with disrespect or whisper racist things in your ear to try to get you to be pissed off or when they pat you down, pat you down a little too aggressively hoping that you'll flinch so they can fuck you up. You don't know what that's like. I know what it's like. My relatives knows what, know what it's like. We've never committed any crimes and we know what it's like. So what I will say is we got to stop focusing on the few fools who do stupid things, breaking in the stores and think in terms of the people who are protesting peacefully. Who just want their communities to be safer and they want to be able to send their sons to the store without them getting shot. That's all they want. I don't like when my nephew comes over to my house and then he drives out of the house and I got to worry about whether or not he's going to get back to his house without some jackass fucking with him any jackass whether it be a law enforcement jackass or the jackasses in the community that people would point out to you if they weren't afraid of you too you see the police see there's people in the community uh especially my old neighborhood that were more afraid of the police than they were of the drug dealers and the drug dealers were killers some of them were killers stone cold killers right but they kept their killing to People who were trying to get into their drug turf, people who were trying to take money from them. They didn't just randomly go around fucking with the, with the neighbors. They didn't do that. If you weren't buying anything from them, they didn't acknowledge your existence. You didn't exist to them. Right? They're selling poison and death. 
but the person has to go to them to get the poison and death. They're not driving randomly through the streets, pulling people out of their cars and going, okay, smoke this weed, smoke this crack now. And if you don't, you're going to, they're not doing that. But the police officer will pull you over and fuck with you if it's a bad cop. That's the difference. That's why people back in the old neighborhood would side with the, with the criminals in the neighborhood who wouldn't, I mean, if the guys, I mean, if the criminal stole your tires, at least it's not a bullet in your ass, right? There's a remedy for the drug dealer. If the drug dealer gets your kid hooked on drugs, you can take your kid to rehab or move him to a different neighborhood. You can do that. There's a remedy. It's horrible. Getting somebody off drugs is horrible. But there's no rehab for eight bullets in your chest. There's no rehab. You can't say, well, you got shot eight times. No, I'm going to do, I'm going to take you to the bullet rehab and they're going to bring you back to life after you've been shot eight times no there's no chokehold rehab you can't take somebody to some you've been choked to death from, well he's been choked to death well we're going to take him to the chokehold rehab and they're going to do so they have some special medicines that are going to unchoke him and bring him back to life they don't have that they don't have a false arrest permanent felony on your record because some police officer doesn't like you rehab well you have a permanent you know i'm going to take you to this rehab and i'm going to take this felony off your record you're going to be able to vote again and you're going to be able to answer no i have not been arrested in the past seven years on your job application that's why the people in the community side with the criminals the criminals are over there and yes they get their houses robbed sometimes yes bad things happen but it wasn't even but it's not like getting damaged by someone who has the entire system behind them. See, if a drug dealer does something horrible and fucks everything up, the other drug dealers will either kill them or turn them the fuck in somehow. He, this guy's fucking with the money. You know, he's making too much up, up and they'll, they'll, they'll turn him in. They don't give a fuck. They'll just jettison his ass. Say, look, we're trying to make this money here. This motherfucker's making too much noise, too much drawing too much attention. He's cutting into the money. He's making it bad. He's making it worse for us. He's got to go. That's what your police officers have got to do. We're good police officers. We're doing our job, serving and protecting, doing a good job. We want to make the community better. But these guys are pulling over young black guys who haven't done anything. These guys are shooting people. These guys are harassing people and they're making it hard for us to do our jobs and they're making the community less safe. So we should jettison them. And that's what you should do. Mainstream media. I don't even know if that word exists anymore because it's all the same shit. They're all bought by the same people, owned by the same people. That's why people are going online. That's why net neutrality is so important. Because the mainstream media, come on, man. That's just a machine that's owned by the same people that don't like anybody. When you see something massive happening like this, and you see them not covering it, or you see the Associated Press make coming up with stupid headlines that essentially are victim-blaming, same thing with ABC News. Headlines that are victim blaming, which means they're not paying attention. Either they're not paying attention, they're not doing their jobs, they're lazy, they're bad journalists, or they got a problem. Though we all, we all know what that problem is. It was amazing watching the feed on Twitter last night around 2 o'clock in the morning. And the same thing this morning. Watching people talk about this and watching the jackasses say stupid things, try to antagonize people. 
problems are simple to solve. Many problems are simple to solve. Even the big giant problems are simple to solve. Meaning the solution is simple. Do this, don't do that. That's the easy part. The hard part is motivating people to make the change. Stop fucking with people that didn't do anything wrong. That's pretty simple. But when you give power to people that don't give a shit, you give power to people that don't like you because of the way you look. You give power to people that, as one police officer said, uh, according to what I read, who referred to the people who weren't even riding, just the protesters, as, quote, fucking animals, unquote. If this is a person that has the power of life and death over you, and he refers to people who are peacefully protesting as fucking animals... How's he going to treat you when it's his choice whether to let you live or die? Or his choice whether or not to give you a $300 ticket when you didn't do anything? Hmm? These guys, for what is horrible, have got to go. They need to be thrown off the force. Anybody who thinks that way needs to be thrown off the force. Laws need to be implemented that protect the citizens. The same way that the law enforcement officers are supposed to protect the citizens. It's a simple change. Real simple. We just got to get it done. That's all I got to say. Hey, cats and kitties, dudes and dudettes. Let me ask you this. Have you ever run in, uh, into an ex and it got really, and it was really, really awkward? You ever done that? Ever run into an ex and it wasn't awkward? I mean, sometimes uh, you run into an ex and it's it's a weird mix of feelings because... I mean, I mean, if you really think about it, especially if it's if it's a breakup that was less than two or three years in in the past, because they still look exactly like they looked when they were with you. And you're looking at a person and you know what it's like to see them naked. You know what it's like to, you know, do when you used to do things to each other. And there's a part of you, the physical part of you is like, man, oh, man, I still want to do those things. And then there's the your brain and goes, yeah, well, <laughs> do you remember this? And then it kind of runs a movie in your head of the reasons why you're not with that person anymore. Now, it could be a movie of, you know, little little subtle things that just let you know that this is not necessarily the right person for you. No hard feelings, but no reason to go down that road again because, quite frankly, it didn't work out for a reason. Not a horrible reason, but it just didn't work out, and there's no reason to do that again. And then there's that movie that, you know, is a horror movie. You know, it's like <laughs> the, movie, the movie of the relationship resembles a... Uh, horror movie you know it's like friday the 13th or something i mean one of those really bad slasher movies like saw or something where something really monstrous happened that made you go okay i, I can't do this anymore but it's really really weird when you see a person and you feel nothing at all uh, you know because over the course of time even people that did kind of bad things during the course of the relationship if some time has passed five years ten years you know your memories of the person kind of softens and, and all you remember is the good stuff. Because if you look, if good stuff and bad stuff in a relationship actually had mass and you put them side by side, left side, all the good things that happened, right side, all the bad things that happened, the good things in number outnumber the bad things. For example, you date somebody or marry somebody for 10 years and it's great and then you find out that they did something horrible 
no need to say what it is because there's many horrible things that you can do that are one-shot things that will immediately make you not want to be married to that person. But that's one thing. It may be an important thing, but in sheer number, number of days married, 10 years, how many days were happy? Most of them. And then there's this one thing that ends it. So you kind of remember the stuff that there was more of and there were more good days than bad days. It's really weird how that works out. <laughs> you know, because... And I ran into somebody and it was one of those, it's really weird when you, when you break up with somebody that there's nothing really wrong with, or if you're the person that there's nothing really wrong with you, you know, and it's kind of hard to explain why you broke up. It's kind of hard to explain. Well, she's, she's, she's cool, right? Yeah. She's smart, right? Yeah. She's beautiful. Yeah. You know, and you can't explain why you're not together. And and I had girlfriends who did happen to do to, to them as well, where they couldn't explain why they broke up with me because there was nothing really wrong with me. I didn't cheat. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I didn't. It's just a strange thing, <laughs> you know. Now, granted, the overwhelming majority of the ladies that I broke up with or that broke up with me, it was cool. You know, it just didn't. I mean, it hurts when any relationship ends, but it was pretty cool for the most part. But, you know, just like anybody else, you know, there's a there's always a couple or maybe a handful, depending on the number of people that you've been with, that, you know, get you running to Google and start checking body armor and Kevlar vests, you know. And is there any kind of, um, how much is security dogs that only bite women? You know, I mean, I just, I mean, I'm not saying that she's crazy or that she has problems or that she's a little bit too weird. I'm just saying I want a dog that only bites women that look exactly like this. Oh, sir, we don't have dogs that are trained to bite one specific person. I'll, I'll give you extra money. Really? Oh, uh, you got a picture of her? Yeah. Let me see if I can train a dog to just attack this one person. Yeah, I just need protection from her. <laughs> you know, I never understood, you know, when you break up with someone, someone why you want to go back and do bad things to them then. You know, it's like, okay, you don't want to be with anymore. Because I've had women just give me, a, uh, it hasn't happened often, maybe two or three times. No, the third time, that was that was a, that was a, that was a multiple dump. We actually dumped each other a bunch of times. So technically, I can't count that one. Say two times where I got the surprise dump. And those and those two weren't even cheating. They're just like, I don't like you anymore. Uh, one uh, dropped my ass because it looked like I was about to get a television program. You know, she's running around bragging to her friends. Oh, it's Anthony's about to get a show. <laughs> And then the studio fired the dude, <laughs> fired the dude that uh, found me. And uh, I don't know what happened. Something, some kind of personal thing that happened with this cat. And you know how it is when the new, like if it's a football team, even if you're a great player, if you were brought in by the coach that just got fired and you're the new coach, you want to bring your quarterback in. Well, this guy's great. Don't care. I want my own quarterback. But he's, through, he's thrown 47 touchdowns and zero interceptions and you ran for 16 million yards. Don't care. Want my own guy. So I got shuttled out of there really quickly. Um, and uh, all my shit, you out. You know, and, and all of a sudden it was as if nothing had happened. As if none of the work had started, as if I hadn't done anything. And um, when that news struck and I told her that I was not going to be getting to do, to work on any kind, on, on this particular thing, man. <laughs> It was like if you were getting it on with someone and then a bunch of people ran in with air sirens and it just abruptly stopped and you just ran out of the room. It was kind of like that. Oh, you don't, you're not about to become something. Yeah. Um, I gotta go. Um, you know that sex we were about to have, uh, that's not going to happen. Um, 
as you can see now, I'm packing up all the stuff that I, that I left over your house, basically, to mark my territory just in case you brought another woman over. Uh, excuse me, I'm going to pick this bed up. See, I had an earring under here. And, uh, okay, let me go over here. And I had some lipstick that I laid over here. You see, women would notice these things. You as a man would not notice these things, but women would notice these things. You know, that way I could leave these around and another woman would walk in and immediately see this stuff. Essentially, the equivalent of me lifting my leg and peeing all around the apartment. Um, you're nothing now. Um, I don't care how talented you are. I know you're great and all that stuff and everybody that blah, blah, blah. But the only thing that really matters is that you're not becoming a big star. Um, I'm going to leave now. Um, I really don't care if you become a big star later on because by then I will have already picked someone else who's successful and, and glommed onto them. So uh, you take care of yourself. Um, I wish you success. Actually, I, I really don't care if you have success. I'll be leaving now, bastard. And uh, go fuck yourself and die. <laughs> right? And it was like, it was really weird because normally when someone abruptly breaks up with you, like the other person who broke up with me, uh, which was a couple of years before that, it hurts really badly because you didn't see it coming. You know, they weren't even, they weren't cheating. They didn't not, you, know, you just don't understand what the hell happened. This one dropped my ass so hard and was so cold about it and so calculating. And even though I just did a, a, a characterization of what she was like when she broke up with me, that wasn't far off. I didn't have to embellish much. You know, she literally was leaving things around my apartment in places that, you know how women always notice everything. So, and that's a cliche, I know, but let's be honest. Sometimes things are a cliche and sometimes things are, things that actually happen and they look like the same thing but they're not the same thing even though they're some they look like the same thing and she literally was like leaving lipstick like behind my stereo system on the floor you know and she'd leave it like an earring over there on purpose and this you know leave some tampons all in the back of the cabinet and you know and it was like you know stuff that i didn't even know she left there and uh, she was marking the territory lifting her leg up and peeing around me um she's like oh this guy's about to become something i better pee around him Right, got that good the good he's mine piss on him and yeah you know and when she was leaving it was almost like she came out with the he's available shampoo and ranger. let me wash all my piss my uh he's mine piss off of you okay you okay the scent is gone get away from me scumbag <laughs> you know and the funny thing about it is even at, at that point when she broke up with me, that was the funny. I was not even really hurt by it because, like I said, it was so cold, calculating and abrupt that I guess she was expecting this big scene of me. Please don't go, which I'm, I don't do for anybody. Uh, I guess she was expecting that. But I was I started laughing. She goes, what are you laughing at? And I said, you know, if you had just broken up with me with some kind of emotional feeling or some sincerity or if you, I mean, or if you had waited a little while just to see if I could get myself back together and. You know, and then and then maybe abruptly, you know, slowly kind of pulled away or, you know, I mean, I would I would have known what was happening. But at the very least, I would have that might I might have been upset. I might have been, you know, crushed that this person that I cared about uh, didn't want to be with me anymore. And I and I would have not necessarily tied it to the, to the series because most relationships fail anyway. I wouldn't necessarily have tied it to the fact that I didn't get a show. You know, I would have it would have been in the back of my mind, but I've shown you enough respect, even on a subconscious level, not to just assume it was that. But you're just basically saying, you're not going to get this show now that I know you're not going to get this thing and you're not going to become a big star or anything like that and, and you're going back basically to square one. Go fuck yourself. It's funny. I'm sorry. It's just funny. This is like a bad sitcom. I'm literally sitting here watching a bad sitcom. You are like the villain in an 80s television series. You know, when you watch those 80s television series, 
they're very quaint insofar as nowadays there's ambiguity. There's the lovable bad guy. There's the bad guy who's not too bad. There's this, there's that. But back in the 80s when I was, you know, or the 70s or the 60s, those shows, that, you know, or 50s, all these shows that were way before my time, but that I saw on Nickelodeon or whatever the hell it is. It was like, this is the bad guy. And we're going to point out that this is the bad guy in ridiculously embarrassing over the top term terms like you'd watch the cowboy walk into town he walks into town and he pushes a preacher over shut up padre <laughs> he'll smoke some cigarettes and put it out on top of some uh, some lady's head he'll push you know he'll feel like you'll look at a baby that baby's ugly and i'm saying that to your face <laughs> he's got a black hat on got the mustache on and then the music comes on and it was like all these over the top cues to, sh to let you know that this person is a bad person cartoony over the top and it's the same thing in the 80s shows cartoony over the top even the a-team you would have these guys are good these guys are bad knight rider these guys are good these guys are bad chips these are the bad guys these are the good guys starsky and hutch now graham going way back with those shows i, I don't remember these fucking shows but these are the good guys these are the bad guys it was all the same crap and even though even those old 50s and 40s movies good guys here bad guys there they even have they even have different camera angles and lenses and you know the, the pen light on the bad guy i'll teach him <clears throat> over the top bad well you couldn't even really take the bad guys seriously you would just sit back and watch this these 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 crazy ass pros programs and laugh at the bad guy who's supposed to be menacing but you're laughing at his ass and that's what you're doing. You're so over the top evil in this moment. I can't even be offended. I'm relieved that you're leaving. I mean, if you really think about it, I mean, you had this feeling right now about me. You know, you thought I was cute. And you like getting on with me. I get it. You, you know, whatever. But as far as being with me on a regular basis, you didn't want to be with me on a regular basis. You didn't like me that much. You just thought that you just saw that I was very had a high level of ability to do this job and it just didn't work out and you know that I'm starting from square one again and you don't want to wait around. I get it. I understand it. That's no big deal. You have the right to do what you want. You know? I'm not going to be mad at you. I mean, like I said, I mean, you're a bit of a gold digger. Okay. You know, there's a lot of guys that don't mind gold diggers. You know, if you had come up to me and said, listen, I'm ridiculously incredibly attractive uh, I, I, play, I, I want to get it on with you uh, because you're successful and uh, I'll sign a prenuptial agreement. Now, there are guys that don't care. They just want you because you're ridiculously good looking. They'd want to get it on with you. They'd want to walk around with hand, holding hand with you. So, so because someone looks looking like you to them is an asset because of because of the way you look. Everybody will look, oh, look at who he's with. Ooh, ooh, and it, ooh now he's only is his show successful. But look at this woman. Ooh, that's what they want. And if that's what they want, fine. Not a problem. But you're so over-the-top evil with this, so cold and calculating with this, I can't take you seriously. Think about it. You just literally walked around my apartment looking for opportunities to place objects to mark your territory. You didn't come to my house and organically have things being there because you came into my life and you're my woman, or I thought was my woman, and you just happened to leave stuff there because you were there all the time. That would have happened anyway. If you were over here all the time, well, you were over here all the time, you would have left lipstick. You would have left tampons. You would have left stuff. You would have left clothes in the closet. You would have left shoes because you would have been here staying the night and all that kind of stuff like you were. But you put stuff here in a calculated move just to mark your territory. I can't take you seriously. This does not hurt at all. And I started laughing at her. 
And now she's upset. Before she was cold and calculating, and I'm going to get rid of you, and I'm here. Yo, I'm up here, and you're down there, damn it. And I'm way up here because I'm better, and you're down there. I mean, I'm I'm a ten, and you're just cute. I'm here, all the way up here, and I have blah, and here, and you're just down, and here, I'm up here, and you're down there. And she realized she absolutely, because of how cold and calculating she was, the power she thought she had, she did not have. And it pissed her off. Well, you were you nothing anyway. I'm going, I said, listen, did, did you not hear that I don't give a crap what you think anymore? You know, you, you, I have never hurt by uh, someone breaking up with me or someone that I broke up with yelling negative stuff. Uh, and, and mean stuff after we broke up. You may have been able to hurt my feelings if you said mean stuff while I was interested in you. But what are you going to do? You're going to call me ugly? I know better than that. You you, you have a little one. I know better than that. You're not that good. In the I know better than that. All of these things, are, it's like, it's not like I'm not, I haven't, I wasn't there during the sex. I know you enjoyed it. It's not like I don't have a mirror. I'm not handsome, but I'm, I'm not even close to ugly. You're not going to be able to say that I'm not an intelligent person. I know better than that. Anything that you can say that's negative towards me that I know is ridiculous, it'd be the equivalent of you going, you are a tall Chinese woman with six arms. Well, just because you said it loud doesn't make it true. You know, even if you gave me an over-the-top compliment. You're the, you're 6'5". No, I'm 5'8 and change. You're the best-looking guy in the world. No, I'm just kind of cute. Those don't affect me either. I don't get all pumped up by fake compliments. And I don't get knocked down by bullshit insults. It doesn't matter what you say. I know what the truth is. And I'm cool with the truth. I know what my limitations are. And I know what my strengths are. And the things that are my limitations really don't have that much of an effect on my life because they're just bullshit stuff. And my strengths, I'll either be able to apply them or I won't, but it doesn't matter. So you can just just continue to pack up your, your trinkets. <laughs> you know, continue to pack up your lady landmines and get out. <laughs> you know, as soon as you said you didn't want to be here anymore, as soon as you started the insults and all of the other kind of stuff, I immediately, you were gone. Just get out. <laughs> Why? Why do you think this upsets me? And it really—I literally felt nothing at that point, you know. And it's funny how, like I said, even that person, over the course of time, over the course of years, my feelings toward that person had softened. I felt nothing, and now I felt kind of—I mean, I really think about it, you know. She was a—you know—she was she was fun to be with. She was she was obviously a fake, but it was—I had fun times with her, you know. It was all a fake. I enjoyed getting it on with her. It was a fake. We had some good laughs. You know, but when I started to think about it, my feelings had softened, even though right afterward, my feelings hardened toward her. And I got I felt some negative things because I started thinking in terms of, you know, the, you started to notice the things and remember the things that should have been a sign that you were dealing with someone who would, you shouldn't have been with in the first place. You know, she was one of those people where I would be hanging out and I would be doing meetings and talking with the like, casting agents or hanging out with people and doing shows and all that kind of stuff. And I would say something funny and everyone else would be laughing their ass off. And I'm not just talking about, I mean, if I, obviously I'm a comedian. If I want to make somebody laugh, I can do it. But this wasn't what I was trying to do. I was just having a conversation. And then if I, and then sometimes I'll go, let me make these people laugh because I'm trying to impress them. I would do that. I and mean, they would laugh their asses off like, ha ah, ha slapping the table. Ah, 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 ah. And this is a business meeting, you know, or where, we're try, where I'm trying to get a job or something like that. And she's there. And I mean, most people, if I, if I had a spouse that was in, uh, it was an entertainer. She said something funny. I would at the very least smile, nod my head because sometimes the spouse is so used to you that 
they'll think something you're saying is funny, but they won't bob wahaha because they're they're on your wavelength. They get you. They'll enjoy it the same way I, when I watch a comic. Like if I watch Chris Rock or somebody like that, I can watch it and just kind of smile and enjoy the artistry of it. And then I can go back as a not and take my comedic brain off and just be a regular dude and then watch it and laugh. I can do that. So sometimes the spouse of the comedian won't necessarily bo-wah-wah-wah-wah at what they're saying, but they will smile and enjoy the nod and give you a little tap on the shoulder, lean in, and a little like those little affirmations of I, I, I dig this person, I enjoy this moment too. But this person was just kind of like, you know, <laughs> like like annoyed with the fact that other people were enjoying my company, you know. And it was really weird because, and so much so that the people around the table were were laughing. They were laughing hard at me, but they were kind of you could see them kind of side eyeing her, like, well, what the hell? Why, why is she not? What's going on with this person? What the hell is this? We're all laughing our balls off and the ovaries out. And this lady says, isn't that his girlfriend? What the hell? And maybe they had a fight. <laughs> you know, that's what and you can tell. That's what was going on. But the thing is, I would notice that if someone else said something even innocuous, she would go make it a point to go over the top to laugh at that. Hey, it's Anthony. Uh, would you like more calamari? Calamari! <laughs> and everyone's looking at her like, what the hell is what this? What? You know, became embarrassing to the point where I couldn't take her to things anymore because she was kind of distracting people. You know, and I didn't notice at first. I was so busy focusing on the business and, and, and that and trying to build the life that I didn't even notice that thing, what was going on with that. So, and I started remembering what, what happened at the house. And I'm sure that you can all relate to this where a spouse is like digging into your ass. Yeah, you ain't uh, rah, 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 your mother. Rah, rah, and you're in, in addition to that, I think. Rah, rah, and all of that kind of stuff. And you're going, what the hell is this? And then they pick up the phone and you mother, uh, you uh, I click. Hi. Pleasantries, happiness, charm, happiness, joy, fun to be with, intelligence, engaging conversation, asking questions that prove that you actually give a crap what the person on the phone is talking about. And then they hang up the phone, click, and come right back. I remember one time she was on the phone for two hours after giving me a good blast for no reason. And I'm downstairs, and I'm figuring, oh, she's upstairs for two hours. I'm figuring, because sometimes when somebody's mad about something in the moment, they'll say things that they shouldn't say. And if it's like a, a, a momentary thing or a transient thing, not a big deal. You know, sometimes you say things you shouldn't say, and you're a little meaner than you need to be. And then you come back and you go, I'm sorry to give you the, the spouse a kiss on the, or a boyfriend at, the, at, the, at this time, I was her boyfriend, a kiss on the forehead or whatever. And you go, sorry about that. And you go, you know, I'm sorry. You know, it is what it is. And then you go about your day. So I'm figuring she's on the phone with a friend for two hours and I can hear her upstairs. Happiness, lightheartedness, fun. I'm happy now. And she comes down here, coming down the steps. And I'm going, she's, and, and she was coming down the steps harder than necessary. So I'm like, oh, geez. So she actually seeked me out in the house and almost, almost, almost as if she had hit the pause button on the hate. Right? She's like, let me put the hate, let me put the pause. I hate your guts right now, and I'm going to be really disgusting and mean to you, but I have to get this phone call. Let me put the hit the pause button on hatred, and I'll be happy now. And then she came back now and says, excuse me, let me hit the resume button. You motherfucker. I'm going, well, you want you just happy for two hours? What the hell? <laughs> right? You know? And there were times when we would hang out and be out with friends and I would be happy for a length of time. And she would literally, like I said, would be upset when I was too happy outside. It was almost as if I could be happy for a certain length of time outside the house with people other than her, but only for a certain amount of time. It was almost as if 
my happiness, joy, and fun was a prisoner on work release, and she was the warden. You know, she was almost looking at, oh, he's been happy for 45 minutes. Mm -mm, that's enough. Nope. Nope. Come on. Get the pump shotgun out. Get back in the cell. <laughs> right? You know, it was like I had to visit. It was like, it was like my friends had to visit. It was like my friends or people I would meet were visiting me, um, visiting happy me in jail. Okay, we, we can only see you once a week. We're going to come back. We're going to put some money on your books. And we, we're going to see you next time. Okay, and he touched the glass. Okay, we're going to go. All right, Thomas, back in the cell. With the, with the pump shotgun. That's what it was like. And even that person, sometimes over the course of time, you... you your feelings kind of soften, soften towards the person, and you know. But I ran across that lady, the lady that I was speaking about so far in this segment of the podcast. I ran across her, and uh, still gorgeous, you know. And and the funny thing about it was, she goes, you know, she's. It was like we're, like we're both older now. We're both not. We're not young people like that anymore. And we're not old or even close to it, but we're we're older and more mature. And she seems to be a much nicer person now. And she did kind of want to, you know, she was kind of, I know her, I still will know her well enough because there are certain things that, you know, she wanted to, she was trying to rekindle some stuff. And I'm like, uh, no, I lied to her. Yeah, I'm seeing someone. I'm not seeing anybody. <laughs> you know, because the thing is, yeah, she may have changed and all of that, but it's like, I, I don't want, I, I'm not a, I mean, if we break up and then we get right back together in a short period of time, that's one thing. But after a while, it's like, I, I've already, nah, it's come cool. I'm all right. I, I'm not interested. You know, I learned what I needed to learn from that relationship. That was a, a time period. And you know what I'm talking about. You're with someone and it ends badly. And you, But in the ending badly, you learn something about yourself and you learn something about what you will put up with and what you want. Now, yes, this person may be a completely different person, but... Eh. It's like that Usher song, you remind me of a girl that I once knew. Well, you, well, in this case, it's the same person that reminds me of a girl that I once knew, her, earlier. Now, when I eventually marry somebody and you know, we're happy and all that kind of stuff, the person that I eventually marry, the woman I eventually marry, the lady I marry and have kids with, if that's what's in the cards for me, she will benefit from the lessons I learned from that person. And in some ways, you kind of think, well, you know, I'm the one that gave you these lessons. You know, shouldn't I be the one that benefits from it? You know, like there were girls that I broke up with who were horrible to me, and then they tried to get back with me when they realized that they they had how they they had, what a big asshole they were to me. You know, and I'm saying, and I said, you learn you learn now that there are certain things you shouldn't do to a dude that's nice to you. You know, uh, you know, I was basically just a lesson for you. You know, you just you, you know whatever whatever you learn from my relation for our relationship, apply that to the next one. Just like I will apply what I learned from this relationship to my next one. We don't have to go back together. I mean, no, I'm, I'm all right. You're cool. There's no reason to do that again. Because in the back of my mind, I'm still going to be thinking about what you were before and I'll be waiting for that shoe to drop. And that's not fair, you know? And it's the same thing with me. You'd be waiting for that shoe to drop. Now, obviously, the shoe's not going to drop, but you're still going to be waiting for it. And I don't want to be sitting there, you know, I don't want to be, you know, sitting there with, you know, you know, it's almost as if you have like a bodyguard waiting behind you, waiting for you to attack somebody. Not physically attack somebody, but you know the, the metaphor I'm using, where there's always kind of that caution flag on you. I don't want to be with somebody where there's a caution flag on me. Well, he may he may have to work so hard that he's been spending as much time with me and I'm not going to put up with it. Remember when you did that before? Well, I work a lot. So that's the way it is. And you should know that coming in. Any new woman who comes in will know this guy works a lot. And he's sitting in the studio when they, 
and some clothes fell down in the back. Because I don't know if you picked that up on the microphone, but I had a suit <laughs> hanging up behind me because I didn't feel like going upstairs and it just hit the floor. So that's what you heard. If you heard the, the suit back at the floor. But, um, you know, so you don't want to you don't want to get into that situation. It's not fair. You know, you want to start fresh with somebody, somebody who sees you as a completed package and doesn't have the negative uh, feelings of stuff that happened in the past. I mean, that just makes sense, right? You know, if you buy a house, here's the house that 12 people were viciously murdered in. And here's, but hey, 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 we took the bed where they were, all the beds where they were shot. We took them all out. All the other furniture's still here. It's still a nice house, but we took it all out. Uh, no, I think I'm going to have to take everything out of the fucking house how about that get the rugs up i want all of this stuff or i might even knock the house down whatever but you don't want you don't want remnants of you know is that a blood splatter on the wall yes it is but hey it's all the way up there with the ceiling it's not like you're just gonna you're gonna you're gonna have to touch it okay <laughs> no you just want to get rid of all of that remnants all remnants of what happened before just like in an earlier segment segment of the podcast when i talked about that friend of mine that had to leave he didn't have anything against me he actually liked me as a person we were cool I counseled him and he counseled me on our little problems when we were younger. But when it was time for him to go, he had to cut ties with me because I still lived near the area where the people he was trying to get away from. And I understood it didn't hurt my feelings. It was bad that I lost a good friend, you know, that we were cool. But okay, I understand what you got to do. It's the same thing in, like we're talking about in relationships. Sometimes, you know, even if you think that they're, they're cool now, it's like, I don't want to, I just need to just leave that part of my life alone. You know, even though my memories have softened of you and I still think of you, I think of you as a, an interesting part of my life. You know, <laughs> your memory softened of things. Your memory softened of, you know, if you had a parent that was a piece of shit when you were younger, but then as an older person, they, you, you realize now that they don't have control of your life. You can actually just access the part of them that is the knowledge of an older person who's softened over the years and got, and has the has matured even as an adult matured to the point where they're not that hothead person or the person that says negative things to you they're not that person anymore they're just a, a nice older person who is your you know insert name of relative or here or title of relative or relationship here it softens and sometimes you know in, in those cases you go okay this person's not going to be saying those awful things so I can kick it with them, but I'm not going to be around them all the time. I still remember what you did. So, you know, and I've forgiven you, but you know, okay, well, we can hang out a little bit. We'll talk a little bit on the phone. I'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll uh, Google plus hang out or some shit like that from afar. Every once in a while, I'll call you, see how you're doing. We don't have to see each other every day and the romantic relationships. Nah, <laughs> I have old girlfriends. Like I said, that I hang out with, but the ones that, you know, that are, um, that we ended in a cool way, you know, we ended in a good, cool way where there was no horrible crap, you know, so that's what I was thinking when I, when I ran across that lady, you know, my feelings were toward her that softened, even though she said some really bad things and tried to do this and all of that. And I realized, you know, it's okay. You, you, you don't have to be mad all the time. You don't have to hold grudges and that kind of silliness. I don't want to hold grudges against anyone. And it's hard to be mad at her, even though she said some awful things. Not just because I'm a more mature person, but because as she was walking away, I realized that, man, that ass, she's still got that ass. Good Lord, look at that butt. Jesus Christ, I used to do all sorts of good stuff with that. Oh, man. I know it was all, the whole relationship was fake, and she was, you know, playing games and all that kind of stuff, and it was just around me because I had a TV show, but that's... 
if there was a pill I could, I could erase the memory of, of that so I could get it all with her again a few times. I mean, um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, what I meant was, <laughs> um, as, a, as a mature person, I realized that it would be better just to move on to a, to a different phase of life and not be, you know, hampered by, uh, man, she had an ass on her, man. She was gorgeous, no boobs. Ooh, boy. Talk about flexibility, man. Oh, man, this woman. I mean, the fact that she put... She, those, the fact that she did gymnastics and ballet when she was oh man that just made that <clears throat> anyway <clears throat> so like I was saying uh yeah um it's best to move on sometimes <laughs> that's the and not uh, not hold grudges and and and, and, and uh, you know if you if your memories of people soften you should uh you know allow them to soften and just enjoy the good parts of the relationship and and take the lessons that you learn from uh the bad parts and apply them to improve yourself as a person <laughs> you know I, I'm you know, Man, she had a beautiful ass. Oh my God, that just delicious ass. Whew. I might change my mind. I might have to call her up and because, like I said, most relationships end any end anyway. So, why should I deny myself access to that delicious woman? Even though it's going to probably mostly he's probably going to turn into an into an idiot again and break up with me, or I'll break up with her because she's crazy. But whew, to jump on top of that gorgeous woman, ooh. I might have to just say the hell with what I just said in this podcast segment, even though it's what I really believe, but you didn't see her. I mean, if young Halle Berry was standing next to her and she said, come here, and Halle Berry said, no, you come here. I said, listen, Miss Berry, why don't you shut up? I got some place to go. That's what I'm talking about. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, hit the hit the, hit the off button. This, that's the end of this segment. Okay, I don't know about you, but I, now that I'm thinking about that girl, I might have to I might have to go back and get that woman. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not on. I mean, good lord, that woman was delicious. I mean, I'm talking about. Why is the red light still flashing? Come, what, didn't I tell you to turn that shit off? Oh shit! Oh, oh, oh. This week, S. Anthony out.